0: Well, I uh, I'm gonna say something again that I've already said in this series. I'm a little hesitant because my brother-in-law the other day told me if he only knew me from my sermons, he would think I was an awful person because I always talk about my struggles. He's like, yeah, you you hate your wife and you're mean to your kids and you don't pray. And uh, I was like, wow. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you anyway. Hopefully, you get to know me. I'm not that bad. Uh, But but I just don't make a big enough deal out of out of prayer. And and I think that that's true for a lot of us. And and i think as we've gone through this series if if my feedback is correct i'm getting a lot of like i said earlier good feedback and it's not like good job it's like hey this is impacting me and here's how and i love that uh and one of the things that i think i'm hearing is just that we collectively don't make a big enough deal out of prayer and and here's here's why here's why i think you know we we do this here's why i think we don't make a big enough deal out of prayer i think we don't understand or think about or consider all that is at stake, and we've been seeing glimpses of that in this series, and if you haven't been here, if you haven't been watching online, listening, whatever, then go back and listen to those sermons, because I think it's building to what we're going to see today, like like prayer is a big deal because there's so much at stake, but but I think still, we kind of view prayer like we view flossing, I, I, I know that's weird, but that's that's how I think we view it sometimes, like probably a good idea, but only if I'm not that tired, you know, and, and then we don't do it except for the week, maybe this is just me, now you know something else, right, <laughs> like like just the week before I'm going to go to the dentist, like oh, I better floss so I can tell them I floss, you know, uh, it's that kind of thing, and I, I think we even picture it like that, like, oh, I better pray Saturday because I'm going to church tomorrow, and I need to be able to tell God, oh, I prayed, you know, I prayed this week, and and, and sometimes I think that prayer is just like that for us, but I'll, I'll just put it out there, like, if I told you that your chances of dying tomorrow are uh, go up 50%, let's say, if you don't floss tonight, probably floss, right? You'd probably floss. And and prayer is is similar to us. It's like this thing that might be good, it might be healthy, it might be helpful. It's a positive thing we know we should do it. We know we ought to do it, but we don't we don't really attach the stakes to it. And so it's kind of like if I'm not too tired, I'll I'll do it. If I don't fall asleep before I do it, then I guess I'll do it all of that and This passage of Scripture, man, I mean, this verse that we're going to look at today, it it really surprised me personally. Where it sits really surprised me. I know the verse, I've known the verse, but where it sits in the Bible and and what Paul is talking about when he gives us these verses that we're going to look at, uh, it makes prayer such a huge deal that it's almost impossible to ignore. But before we look at it, I'll just, I'll just give you the point up front. I think it's this. Prayer is where we go to suit up for the battle against souls, against our souls and against other people's souls. Prayer is where we go to suit up for the battle against our souls. And here's how it starts in Ephesians 6.18, and pray. There's two uh, really important things about uh, prayer in this, in this first thing, and in, in this first little phrase that, that, that I just don't think we can ignore or skip or look past. And the first is, and I said this last week, but it bears repeating, and I'll repeat it again probably next week. Uh, but if there's a single takeaway from looking at all of Paul's kind of statements about prayer... And I did not expect this when I came into this series, when I started studying for this series, but this takeaway is pretty, I mean, Paul has one kind of big idea when it comes to pray, and that is that you should do it. And here again, we see Paul use the word prayer as a verb, he uses the word pray, and it's a reminder that that if Paul could tell you anything, this guy who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, if he could tell you one thing about prayer, it would be this simple. You need to do it. You need to be a person of prayer. You need to pray. I think that this, this phrase, and pray, is a great phrase for all of life. Like if somebody comes to you and they need your advice, then give them your best advice and then add to the end of it and pray. Uh, if you're trying to figure out what you should do next in life, you know, the next step, trying to make a big decision, I say, you know, do your do your pros and your cons and think through all of it logically, and then at the end, remember this, and pray. I think that if you're struggling with something and you want to overcome it and you can't overcome it, it's hard. Keep working at it. Work, work, work and pray. Now when we say and pray and, and when Paul says and pray, I don't think this makes prayer secondary. It makes prayer always. It doesn't make prayer secondary, it makes prayer always. is isn't like we put prayer back there somewhere and maybe we'll get to it. It's saying that in every situation, and we'll see Paul say this outright in a second, in every situation, we work hard, we do our best, we try to give advice, we think through things, we use the talents that God has created kind of to be in us, but we also make sure every single time in every single situation that we face that we pray, that we pray. It's just got to be a part of it. So that's the first, I mean, man, and pray, that's just... That's just it. Like, that, that could be the, the statement for the whole series. Like, if you just remember nothing else, I don't really care that much. As long as you know that Paul wants you to pray, and I think God wants you to pray, he wants you to pray. And if you don't know how to do it, he still wants you to pray. And if you think you're going to mess it up, we saw that in the first sermon of the series, then you still pray. And, and when you think about a situation that's somebody else, and they're struggling, you pray for that. And when you struggle on your own, you pray for that. You always are constantly coming to God in prayer but here's this this the i know i sounded like i loved that i felt emotional there but like this is the part that i actually think is so cool about this little phrase and pray it's where it sits as i've already mentioned and it follows this very famous metaphor I grew up with an action figure of the metaphor that's right in front of it, because I grew up in a Christian home, so why wouldn't I have an action figure from the Bible? Uh, And and it follows right after this incredible metaphor that that we think of, if you've been in church, if you know it, as the armor of God. Paul has gone through this kind of lengthy segment, this paragraph where he is talking about about the things that we need to put on metaphorically in order to fight against or to withstand the fight towards us from the evil and dark forces in the world. I'm going to read it to you. This is kind of long. I said the announcements were kind of long earlier. Good thing the music was fast. Because I'm going to read you Ephesians 6:10 through 17, which I realize is a lot of words to read uh, in a sermon. But I, I contemplated like, you know, can I preach this sermon without you know, reading all this, and I I don't think I can effectively, and so you can look at the screens, you can pay attention, pull it up on your Bibles, uh, but try to stay with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, Now, the New International Version, which is a translation of the Bible, it makes a paragraph break here. And I think maybe that's why if you've grown up with the NIV, which I pretty much have, then, then you think, well, well, Paul's talking about something new and different. It's like a whole switch in thought here. But, but everybody that studies the Bible and writes books on it would tell you that this is not a new thought. Uh, Paul has just told you to put on the armor of God to protect yourselves from the spiritually dark forces that exist in the world, and then it, it just flows right from that into and pray it 's connected to this idea of standing firm against the 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 evil that is real and prevalent and exists in our world and that is taking shots at you that is coming at you in fact our our, our phrase is full of Uh, language that suggests it connects back to something and people take different shots at what it connects to some people might say that it goes all the way back to be strong in the lord and and so the the phrase and praise connected to us being strong in the lord and in his mighty power Uh, verse 14 might be more likely there it says stand firm If you're going to stand firm in your faith, then it's going to require you praying and pray. It's going to be a part of standing firm in your relationship with God if you're a Christian. It's going to be part of living for God if you're a Christian. There's this really cool thing that I... feel like I should have known about, I probably did in college, but I, I had forgotten or never knew about it in the first place. But there's this cool progression in the book of Ephesians, and, and at the beginning of the book, Paul says that we should sit, and then in the middle of the book, he says that we should walk, and then at the end, here at the end in Ephesians 6, he says we should stand. It's kind of cool, right? You can picture that, sitting and walking and standing, and it's all metaphorical language for, for our life in Christ, for us and how we ought to live as, as Christians. He says, we're seated with Christ in heaven. This is Paul's way of saying, look, if you've given yourself to Jesus, if you have become a Christian, then you now have taken a special place with God, an immovable place, a place that you will be forever. As Christians, we believe, if you're not, here's what we believe, that, that Jesus... Uh, came down from heaven to earth because he saw us in our sin and he recognized that we could never enter into a relationship with God, that we would never be worthy of heaven no matter how hard we tried, no matter how much we worked, no matter how much effort we put into it. And so Jesus came, he was born of a virgin, he lived sinlessly. At the end of that sinless life, he died a brutal, horrific death on a cross. And he did that in order to pay for all of the bad things that you and I have done wrong. All the times that I'm mean to my wife and yell at my kids, all of that, he paid for it by dying on a cross. And then he came back to life three days later. And and what's so staggering about this idea of sitting now in heaven, that we are seated in heaven, is that Paul says you don't have to wait for eternity to be able to enter into this good and right relationship with God that eluded you because of your sin before Jesus. But now, if you have said, I believe that story, that gospel to be true, and I give you my life, God, then you now are already seated with him in heaven, you've entered into a relationship with him, that's great. And so out of that, Paul says, look, now you're going to walk in the way of love specifically. That's what he says. Walk in the way of love. He says, because you now have this relationship with God, it ought to change the way in which you live your life. So he uses the walk metaphor. But it's as if Paul realizes how hard all of this is, and he gets to the end of his book, and he says, "Look, the fight is not against your family members or against even your own flesh. It's not against the media. It's against spiritually dark forces." That's that's bad. <laughs> I mean, right? Like if you if you just pause to think about that—that that the the that Satan and and his His followers, his demons are attacking you. That's that's difficult to overcome. And and we might ask, well, how am I going to stay seated in heaven? How am I going to continue to walk in the way of love? And Paul says, well, here's what you do. You you stand firm and you do that by putting on the armor of God and praying. That makes this little phrase, and pray, such a huge deal. The word biblical commentary says uh, this. It's a call to believers to maintain and appropriate their position of strength and victory as they live out their lives in the world in the face of opposition, of the opposition of evil cosmic powers. I mean, if you're just like, it's so hard, uh, like, to live a good life, If you're a Christian, to live as a Christian, it's just super hard. Like, I know the things I ought to do, but I don't do them. And I know the things I shouldn't do, but I still do them. And I wish I didn't. It's easy to say, like, I'm an idiot, but there should be some recognition, not as an excuse, but a recognition that it's because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritually dark forces that are attacking your soul. And then Paul just says, and pray, and pray. I mean for me that's like taking flossing and connecting it to death right like like oh dang I better I better pray <laughs> I mean I mean really if if prayer is part of fighting off warding off fending off uh, the the evil that exists in the world and really wants to win against my soul then then for darn sure, I better be praying, right? First Peter 5.8 says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You wanna know why it's hard to live the life that you wanna live? It's because Satan doesn't want you to live that life and he's attacking you every step of the way trying to tear you down and ruin your relationship with God. For many of you, you haven't even accepted the gospel story that I've already told is true. And, and it's in large part because you have, you have these ideas and these thoughts and the reasons and all that. But it's because Satan doesn't want you to and he's fighting for your soul and against your soul. The word biblical commentary again says, Appropriating the divine armor and standing firm in the battle require a life of dependence on God in prayer. You can't, put, you can't put the armor on if you're not willing to pray. That's what Paul is getting at here in this connection. Some have even said that prayer should be the seventh piece of the armor. Uh, the Life Application Commentary says probably not, but the question is irrelevant for whether it is a piece of equipment or the demeanor with which the equipment is worn. Neither prayer nor being alert is optional for believers. Believers. The well-trained soldier in Christ's army, by definition, is continually praying in the Spirit. It's just a part of the battle. It's an essential part of the battle. It's a part of the battle that we cannot ignore or neglect. We must pray if we are going to fight against Satan and what he wants to do in our lives. I think that prayer is... Is like Superman going into the telephone booth. You'll have to forgive me, all I have is a floaty for my son. <laughs> um, I. Uh I know, I know, it's all I had, and I actually looked at, at, for Batman, because have, we have tons of Batman stuff, and uh, for my son, again, not for me, uh, but, but Batman doesn't, like, the movies never show how he gets changed, really, he always kind of goes into this little thing in his cave, and then he just is, like, kind of changes, uh, anyway, uh, more information than you wanted, uh, but Superman, you might know the story, he, he looks like that one. the name, what's Superman's real name? Thank you, Clark. You can you tell how into superheroes I am? Uh, but he goes historically into uh, the telephone booth, and and he comes out, and all he's done is change clothes. But he's he's buffer and he's he's tougher and he's ready for the fight. And and what Paul is saying is that that prayer is the telephone booth that we must go into if we are going to be prepared to fight against the work that Satan wants to do in our lives. I, was, I, I uh, was going, I came out of the bathroom today, and I, you don't know this if you're not part of our setup team, but I come here looking like the biggest slob in the world every Sunday. I mean, it's, people are laughing that are part of our setup team, because sometimes I have my dress shirt with dirty sweatpants, like I just roll in here and, and try to get to work, right? And I always come out and I look decent, uh, depending on how much rain there was that day, and uh, I, I always look decent. And he said to me, hey... You're just like Superman coming out of that bathroom ready to go. He had no idea I was going to use this illustration today. And, and I think that, that we, we go into the phone booth or we go into the bathroom in prayer and, and we come out and, and it's like we are dressed for the battle when before we were not dressed for the battle. And, and here's, here's what's sad. Most people are just going to be Clark Kent when there's a power awaiting them, did I get that name right? When there's a power that's awaiting them when they get on their knees in prayer. Most people wander around not having the superheroes to fight off what what Satan would do in their lives Because they never go into the phone booth to pray in the first place. And so the armor is never on and they're never ready to fight the battle that will come at them whether they want the battle or not. That might describe you and what I'd say this morning is if you feel like you're losing the battle on a bunch of fronts, then I would just say examine your prayer life. How much time are you spending in prayer? How sincere are your prayers? How how deep are your prayers? I mean, look, we can all say as Christians, yeah, I pray. I mean, we do it, you know, like something's bad at work. We might drop a little prayer up, say, hey, God, help me with this. But how different would it be if we spent an hour every day on the floor crying out to God, asking Him for the help to withstand the battle, asking Him to... To help the burden of other people as we talked about last week, I mean, how different would that be? And you may not have an hour, I get that, you, you probably do, because you watch a lot of TV, but, but you might not feel like you have an hour, and I get that, but I mean, like, what if, what if 10 minutes for some of you, right? I mean, how, how much stronger, how, how much more super would you be coming out to fight the battle if you, just, if you just took 10 minutes and really devoted it without your phone, without anything around? Because Paul is saying that if we're going to fight off what Satan would do in our lives, then we must pray in order to suit up for the battle. He continues, and I love this, In the Spirit, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I already hashed out what in the Spirit means in this sermon series, but I'll read again Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What does this mean? The word biblical commentary says it means that our prayers are inspired, guided, and made effective through the Spirit. So we pray under the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that He's going to help us, asking Him to help us, asking Him to compel us to pray for the right things in the right ways at the right time, but then trusting that even when we mess up, He's turning them into something good as He delivers them to God in heaven. So we must pray in the Spirit, but this phrase is so good. On all occasions, I would ask, does something too big seem too big to be prayed for well pray for it if something seems too small to pray for we'll pray for it Paul is emphasizing that there is nothing outside of what ought to be prayed for everything should be prayed for we should be praying about it you go does God care well yes he does he wants you to pray about it perhaps we view things too small for prayer sometimes and we don't pray for them, and they turn into big things that ruin our lives I think I've seen that happen to a lot of people Or perhaps we don't trust that something, you know, can be done about whatever situation we're facing. Like, we don't trust that God can do it. We'll pray about it anyway. I I would say, if you think that God can't do something, that's a great thing to pray about anyway. Just go pray about it. He says, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. I think that what he is saying is clear, that we should be praying about everything that we can possibly pray about. Uh, there's this hymn, Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do you do you know it? I almost switched to our, our post-sermon song, but but Brandon's not here, and so uh, we just I wasn't going to do that to uh, Vanessa or our band last minute, but I'll read some of it to you. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble everywhere? Our precious Savior, He is still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. When we're weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care, we should never be discouraged. We should take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, that peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, we should never be discouraged when we take it to the Lord in prayer. I I think that this is one of those things that it'd be easy to say this, it'd be easy to say, well, I can't pray about everything, I don't have enough time, there's no way I can pray about everything, and and what we're going to read next, it'd be the same, Like, like, it'd be so easy just to say, well, I can't do it, and so I won't do anything, But I think Paul's point is not that if you can't pray about everything, don't pray about anything. It's how much can you actually pray for? How many things can you find time to pray about? That's the application. Not I don't have time for that. It's how much can I possibly pray for because everything should be prayed for. He continues with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people prayer and alertness go together in the bible uh consistently it's a consistent thing and uh the the greek word behind alertness can mean to keep awake which is metaphorical but i think it's such an incredible metaphor because Uh, so many people I know want to pray more but then they fall asleep and so I think even the metaphor is just a good reminder that it requires being awake and alert in order to pray but I think this word picture is good for other reasons in Matthew 26 41 we see a similar word when when Matthew writes watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and and then the disciples is Jesus talking the disciples actually fall asleep they don't pray and then they all abandon him And and I'm not sure there's a greater illustration in scripture or anywhere for for the importance of prayer and the spiritual lives. I I just, I kind of thought this question and I will never be able to answer it, we'll never know. But what if the disciples would have stayed awake and prayed all night? How would they have responded differently when people came to arrest Jesus? Would they have fled so quickly? I don't know. I don't know how all that plays out theologically. Uh, But I can tell you that for us, And what Paul is saying here, we got to be praying because the attack is real. And there's going to come a moment in your day, every single day, when you're going to want to do something that Jesus doesn't want you to do. And if you haven't prayed, you probably will. Think about something you did last week that was no good. Uh, You just think, man, I I knew God didn't want me to do it, but I did it anyway. I I would just ask you the question, what if you had prayed? What if you had prayed more? What if you had prayed about more things? How would that have been different? He also says to keep on praying, and uh, this is a word for perseverance, basically. And we've talked a lot about this in the series how difficult prayer is, and I think we think like maybe it's just going to get easier over time. But when Paul says that we should persevere, I would think like we should view it more like a marathon, right? Like like I got to keep going and going and going, and it's not going to get easier. It may never get easier but I have to keep putting leg over leg to get to the finish line, to keep the battle going, to keep fighting. I think there's this misnomer that, that if I just learn to pray and you know if I, I don't know, if I figure it all out, then all, prayer will be easier, but there a lion is roaring, looking around, looking to destroy you. And, and, and so it's not like it's just magically gonna become easier. You have to wake up and you have to fight to pray every day and you'll have to do that until the end of your life. Maybe you don't like that i'm a guy that likes a challenge and so there's something about that to me that's compelling For many of you are like, oh crap, I should just give up now, right? But for me, it's like i'm doing this Like i i'm gonna fight i'm gonna join the struggle. I'm gonna get involved in this. I'm gonna do this But prayer does take Perseverance And here he says to do it for all people. So you am pray for the the spiritual battle that's going around, but, but Paul then adds that we should be praying for others, not just for yourself. You're not just praying so that you can be protected from the spiritually dark forces that exist in this world. You're praying so that others can be protected too. Don't just pray because it helps you in your spiritual battle. Pray because it helps all people in their spiritual battles. There's this corporate focus in Ephesians that we can really lose in the modern American church because, you know, we grew up as people driven by individualism. It's just part of our culture. But in Ephesians, it's like one for all and all for one. We're in this thing together. And Paul wants us to remember that in prayer. We need to be praying for others. We need to be helping them in their fight. Charles Hodge Uh, wrote an old and great commentary on Ephesians. He says, no soldier entering battle prays for himself alone, but for all his fellow soldiers also. Man, and when it says to pray for all Christians here, it's the same thing, right? Like it's so easy to go, I can't do it. (laughs) <laughs> i'm out you know like there's no way i could pray for every christian i don't even know them all you know there's a lot like there's no way i can do that but again i, I think we should flip that on its head and say right i am not i'm never going to be able to in in a uh, in a strict way pray for every christian this is never going to happen but how many can i pray for I mean, how many people can I pray for so that they have the help that they need in the battle against Satan? The question should be, how close can I get to doing this? How many people can I pray for? How many hours in a day can I devote to this? That'll be different for all of us, right? You know, if you've been around a long time, then I'm never somebody who will say, pray more. I'm just somebody, or read the Bible more. I'm always like, just see how important it is. And then hopefully you'll be compelled to do it as much as possible. Your kids, your grandkids, your friends, the people sitting next to you at church, they are in a battle for their souls and they need your prayers if they're going to win it. We must pray for ourselves in the battle, but we must pray for others because prayer is where we go to suit up for the battle against souls. But Paul says this just this one other thing in Ephesians six nineteen and 20. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Again, Paul does this like the end of every one of his letters that he writes to churches. He's like, it's like he can't finish a letter without saying, oh, by the way, pray for me. I think the fact that we don't ask others to pray for us shows that we view it like flossing. Like, like we might want other people's prayers, and, 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 but we don't, we're not gonna open up enough to actually ask for them because we don't value it enough. And Paul values it so much, he's just willing at the end of every letter uh, to, to step off the leadership platform, to not have a good face on, to be humble and say, look, I want you, I need you to pray for me. Man, I would hope that we would view prayer so highly and powerfully and wonderfully that that, that our first response to every difficult thing we, we face would just be like, hey, can you pray for me? I need your prayer. I need your prayer. And we would go to the people that we love that are in our church, that are Christians, that are our friends, that are family, that we know will pray for us, and we would ask them to do that submit a prayer request at this church and you'll have a bunch of people praying for you consistently I promise our prayer team is awesome they do an incredible job you don't even know who they are I don't even know who they all are but uh but but they do an incredible job of of consistently praying for you and the things that you ask us to pray for one author said this about Paul he begs his readers to pray for him he begs them you got to pray for me because he understands that he's in the middle of a battle for his soul, and as you see here, for other souls. And, and he knows that prayer is where people go to suit up for that battle. And I, was, I love this too, I love this, because Paul... He, he's responsible for you being in church this morning? I mean, if it wasn't for him going around the known world and preaching the gospel, even though it almost cost him his life over and over and over again, then, then I don't know how the gospel would have spread. And I don't know if you as Americans would be Christians today. I mean, his he's that influential. His willingness to go and boldly preach the gospel story that I've, I've already told is more influential than, than anybody else probably not named Jesus in the history of the world. And... And it's funny here, almost. He pray, He says, look, hey, pray for me that I'll boldly preach the gospel. And to me, I'm like, dude, that's like, come on. I don't have time to pray for that. You already got it under control, right? Like, uh, like of all the things in the world, Paul being bold, you know, it's like it's like saying, it's like Michael Jordan coming to you and saying, hey, can you pray I'm good at basketball? Like, no, I'm not gonna pray that, you know? Like, you got this figured out. But as I, as I read it, it just, it just, Reminded me of something. So often we reserve our prayers for what is wrong and what is bad and what needs help and what seems like an emergency. But how much better would our our friends' lives be, and how much better would would our response to the battle be if we if we were praying even when things were good? Hey God, I've been I've been really working hard to be pure lately. Please help me to stay pure. How cool would that be? God, like, I've been at church every single week lately, and that used to be a struggle. Keep helping, keep helping me to get there. God, I've been praying lately. Keep drawing me back to prayer. God, I've been reading my Bible lately. Keep helping me to read my Bible. It seems like all of our prayers are like, ah, I need help immediately, God. Like, I have five seconds to make this life-changing decision. I haven't thought about you, but right now, can you figure this out? But but Paul is, I mean, literally, the guy's like they're throwing rocks at him and they're trying to kill him and he's shipwrecked and it's all because he's out there telling people that Jesus died for their sins. And he gets to the end of this letter to the Ephesians, he's like, hey, pray that I'll keep, that I will. He doesn't even say keep, I don't think. Pray that I will declare the gospel boldly. And I would add to that that we should be praying very simply that prayer that we would preach the gospel boldly and that others in our church would preach the gospel boldly. Uh, we can be so short-sighted in our prayers. They can be so me-centered. But, but if we're not including God, bring that person to salvation and help me to have the words to say to that other person and lead that person's friend to you and help them to accept my invitation to church, then, then we're probably not praying big enough prayers. Charles Hodge says it like this. I love it. Uh, in the midst of our battle, he says, here's five things that you should know about prayer. It needs to be all kinds of prayer. It needs to be in every situation. It needs to be in the spirit. It needs to be, we need to be alert and persevering in prayer. And we need to do it for all saints, uh, including, you know, our individuals, the individuals around us. And so here, here's the results. Here's, here's what I think, here's what Paul's saying. Here's why the Ann pray. Prayer helps protect us. Prayer helps protect others. And prayer helps advance the gospel. And it's all because prayer is where we go to suit up for this battle against souls. And I'll tell you, you'll never fight the battle as well as you want to fight the battle if you don't spend time in prayer. If you are not a person of prayer, then you will never fight the battle and you'll never help others fight the battle in the best way, God's way, the way that you should want to if you're a Christian. Prayer is where we go to suit up for the battle against our souls. Let me pray that we'll pray. Lord Jesus. I don't want to view prayers like flossing. I don't want to make light of it. I want to be a person, God, that that that, that prays because I, I, I know that I'm in the midst of a battle and and I need the help, God. I need the armor. I need. I, I need you, God. And and I pray that you know as I want that. I, I I want that for every person who's in front of me right now, for every person who's listening online and who will listen online later. I ask God that you you would remind them, that you would uh, convict them, that you would cause them to feel in their souls, God, uh, the importance of prayer. Lord, I pray that we would just be a people that wouldn't see, you know, our, our sin and, and the struggles in the world as just kind of part of life, but we would remember that it's all part of the battle, and, and that would compel us, as we even think of that, to, to turn to you in prayer, God. Lord, I pray that every day, every one of us would suit up for this battle because every day Satan is, is looking to get us. Father, I pray for any person that, that has not given you their life, that isn't a Christian, that, that hasn't accepted that gospel story as true. I pray that you would, you would draw them to you, Lord, because I believe Satan is fighting against them too, and, and they don't know it, they don't sense it, and they're on the wrong side of this fight. So draw them right now, God. My sermons will never be good enough to compel people to give their lives to you. You have to compel them, God, and so I pray that you would do that right now. Jesus, make us a church of of prayer. Make us a nation of prayer. Make us a people of prayer, God, because we realize that it's where we go to suit up for the battle against our souls. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, during this next song, respond to God.